the Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Little Mermaid live episode that was on this past week. <laughs> episode or special? I guess special. Yeah, I guess it wasn't an episode. It, it was a special. It was interesting because it was a mix of the movie and then live action performances. It was completely not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, it was basically like... The movie and then there were some musical numbers that were presented in such a way that it was like the musical, I guess. I mean, we've never seen the musical, but I'd assume it was something it right. was something like the that. The performances were the musical numbers. Everything else was the animated movie. Right. It, it was very interesting. Uh, before we jump into that, though, as always, a few pieces of Disney news. So it is the holiday season. Shopping is coming up here. So Amazon put together gifts for children disney gifts for your kids they have over 150 options wow which is which is pretty crazy so yeah if you want to check that out uh, go on amazon and they have a whole grouping i guess they do this for you know similar products so if you're interested in you know disney or marvel or you know even other things like sports or something you can go and see what they have now i personally wish my feet were small enough that i could get the star wars socks they have Yoda and C-3PO and the Stormtroopers, but they probably wouldn't even fit on my big toe. So. Yeah, it, it is always a big struggle because I know that like those socks are like a very big thing and they would make a really cute, cool, pretty cheap present for Christmas. But Joe has size 14 feet, so I can never buy him fun novelty socks. And these are for kids the anyways. Fun. These socks uh, are for well, kids, yeah, so I'd have though, no, no chance. But even like I've thought about getting you a sock subscription or like one of those sock of the month clubs. And I can't do that because you can only get the stuff from the big and tall stores. So it's kind of it's a little bit of a killjoy. It's my burden to bear. So uh, and the other thing is that the the new trailer, I guess the first trailer for Pixar's new movie Soul came out this past week. You were unimpressed. And boy, does it look depressing. I was going to say, <laughs> it, it's made by Pete Docter, who did Inside Out, and it's very much in the vein to Inside Out. Like it, You could almost see it as a sequel. So whereas Inside Out was all about emotions, this one is all about your soul and what do you want to be remembered for. It definitely looks like it's going to be a tearjerker to an extent and it is gonna say it is more of a thinking movie inside out was more like hey this kid is growing up and learning to manage her emotions this one's like oh this guy's done done been grown up and now he's dead like it's pretty but it's more than that it's more about again what do you want to be remembered for like it's more in the vein of up i feel like where well, he up also, starts with like he did crazy well. tragedy. He did up yeah. as well. So yeah, yeah. So it, it it has a similar theme to that, but I, I think it looks good. I'm excited to see it. It's going to be one of those more sophisticated. Like it as an adult, there's deeper meanings and themes you can get out of it than you know if you're a kid just enjoying the movie. So I think this is going to be a, a really good one. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll be good. I just um, I don't know. Pixar usually does take on heavier, more emotional baggage when it comes to their movies as opposed to like the Disney animated films which are usually more lighthearted and fun but lately Disney's been kind of in the vein of let's do let's do a sequel let's do a sequel let's do a sequel so um I can't wait for them to produce something new again I mean it's been since what Moana was Moana the last original that they I mean because now they did Frozen 2 was Moana the last original that they had yeah I think so yeah it's, it's been a few years so but you're, you're having Pixar has Onward coming out. They have Soul coming out. So they have a couple original movies 
the Jungle Cruise. It's an original movie based on a ride. Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Jungle Cruise. <laughs> All right, so so let's get back into our, our, our main topic and, and discussing The Little Mermaid Live. I think you like this more than I did. When we first originally were watching it, I was like, this really isn't that great. The internet seems to agree more with me <laughs> based on based on what I've seen is that a lot of people really didn't care for this overall and again it i don't know what i was expecting but i don't think i was expecting exactly what we got it wasn't terrible i mean it it was just it was awkward and i think the problem was you had so many of the characters like ariel who can't walk when she's dressed as a mermaid so they're just kind of pushing her around right. on a rock well, right i think that was definitely one of the biggest challenges that they were they face and we've never seen the little mermaid the musical so i'm curious to know how the staging would be for that but I found that once they were up on land, the staging looked a lot more natural. It looked a lot better. There was a lot more depth to the scenery. But whenever they were underwater, I really think that it was just a big struggle to try to make everything look both like multidimensional because, I mean, you're in the water. Everything's going to be multidimensional. Um, so they, it was hard for them, I think, to pull a lot of that off. Yeah, I disagree with that a little bit because even on land, Prince Eric, I felt, was very flat. The, uh, his name was Graham Phillip, who played him. Okay. I believe. I think you're right. Yeah. That so, right. and he's on Riverdale. I mean, he's an actor. He's been on Broadway, but I, I don't know. I just, I didn't feel the energy through a lot of it. Now, I do think a lot of the problem was, is watching it on TV. It's very hard because it essentially was, like you said, a Broadway musical production of the show. And the, the sets look good, but some of the, you know, the stagecraft of, of them, uh, making Ariel swim in the water or having Ursula's tentacles move around when it's on television and they're so zoomed in, you can see the cords that yeah. they're using to pull it. So some of that, that magic of the stagecraft and the theater gets lost on television. Cause one, you're either so uh, zoomed in close to see the actor's faces that you can see that or it's so far out because they want to see the whole stage that you kind of lose the perspectives like mm -hmm. I think it would have been much better in person right and I have the same problem whenever you know if if whenever they put on specials of singers that I really like or they they do like a, a dvd or blu-ray about a concert that they've had in the past I've had people get them for me and I'm like I really like this artist so much but I have no desire to watch this video because I, you, when you're not there, the sound's not all around you. You don't have the crowd energy. You can't feel it as much as if you're actually there immersed in it. So it's not necessarily, unless unless maybe you purchased a video of something that you were actually physically at, and then that video, when you watch it, stirs those memories. Um, I don't really see how, it, it's just not. it's just not my thing. And I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. But I was just kind of planning on talking about them kind of number by number and some of the people who were in them. Um, I didn't take notes on all of the musical numbers, but there were a few that I thought were notable one way or another. The movie was the movie, so I don't really talk. I don't think that we really need to talk about it. It's just like rewatching the movie. So the first big number, and there's there's a number with, with Ariel's sisters. Um, that one was kind of forgettable. There wasn't anything too exciting about that except for um, 
seeing the different mermaid costumes that was cool uh disney always does a really good job with costuming if you go see them on broadway so they were along that vein whenever we were kind of watching it on tv with the tv so the big first number was part of your world and i thought it was a cool explore exploration of the audience where just like when we went to see king trident's concert in tokyo disney um it was really cool or that was Tokyo disney seat right so it was really cool because Ariel was tethered to the ceiling. She actually moved and swam above the audience. I can imagine what it was like being in the audience because I've been there. But on TV, I mean, on TV, it looked cool, but it wasn't super impressive. What did, what did you think? You know, like I said earlier, that was some of the best work whenever they had her up on the wire, kind of doing the swimming around. Like you said, it, it very much was like King uh, Trident's concert. But again, it just it didn't have as much of the magic. I, I don't know if you know she wasn't as comfortable because they probably right. didn't do that as much mm-hmm. and, and have a lot of practice. Whereas you know somebody doing it every day at you know at Tokyo Disney Sea, yeah. So I, because I, she I would make like good. eye contact with the audience and she looked a lot more fluid in her movements. At Disney Sea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So. Yeah, again, overall, I mean, I, I thought it was good. And, you know, the singing was good. The numbers were good. Yeah, it just, some of it just lacked a little bit. I mean, we'll get to it later as we go on. But I think my favorite musical number was John Stamos's number. His just had the most... Possessed. Yeah, it seemed like it had the most production value to it. Yeah. The rest of it just seemed very minimalistic and almost like it was kind of thrown together. Like, I, I just would have expected more in some of these. Yeah, I yeah, I say the same thing about our next number. But the other thing was, uh, this is, I think, where we first saw the flounder puppet. And yeah, there's a lot of funny memes <laughs> on the internet about the flounder puppet. So yeah, look check those them out. out. But yeah, flounder, the puppet, it looked more like a um, Jim Henson imagination of It did. I thought about flounder. that. It kind of looked like a Muppet version. It had, it had right. the Muppet kind of eyes and face to it. Right. Flounder. It, was, and, it was very interesting. And flounder doesn't look like that. It was too bony. It, I mean, I like the colors. They matched really well with the real flounder, but he was just too skinny and um, he didn't have that same jovial look that Flounder has. So I think that they could have made a, f- a puppet that looked like Flounder. So I think that was a little disappointing. And I think a lot of people didn't love that so much. Um, just a quick note about the movie. I did take a couple notes about the movie. So I personally, I, the one thing I didn't touch on earlier, I personally liked this. But the reason why I liked it as much as I did is because... I don't have a very strong familiarity with the movie or attachment to the movie. If this was, I mean, I would say if this was The Lion King, but The Lion King is an exquisite musical. And so, I mean, I can't, I can't, I wouldn't say that. But if this was like Moana, who, which I know so well, and then they tried to turn it and do, do what they did for The Little Mermaid, I think I would have a lot more problems with it. But because my exposure to The Little Mermaid is a lot lesser, I just appreciated it for what it was and didn't really have any set expectations going in. But anyway, the movie itself, holy tragedy. Eric's ship is out on the on the ocean and then there's a storm and then the thing sh- completely sinks in rocky water. It uh, Essentially, at the time at least, it appears Eric is the only one who survives yeah, the entire dark. shipwreck. This is Ex- dark. This is, but, this is one of the original Disney movies before they were more upbeat. Holy moly. Like Now, later on, you see his grandfather he just shows up in the one scene and I'm like, well, apparently he got rescued too. But like, 
the whole ship goes down and all Ariel cares about is rescuing the hot guy. And it's like, whoa, like maybe you should go back and try to like drag some of the other people off, like back to shore too, because they're definitely going to die. Um, so yeah, that was very dark. And then um, Aloui also does the the part of your world reprise. And again, her voice is so pretty. And she's uh, the voice of and, Moana. Yes, so if, yes. if she sounds familiar, that that's why. Right, right. And so she is fantastic. And, you know, I think she did a really good job. And I think that, yeah, there was some discomfort. I You could tell that she wasn't, she didn't seem like she was fully comfortable, but I also can imagine how difficult that would be to be have your legs tied together and try to be floating and singing at the same time. So for what it was... And I, I think she did a fantastic job. The The biggest disappointment for me was the Under the Sea song. So Under the Sea is one of my favorite, probably is my favorite song from The Little Mermaid. And It's probably one of the most recognizable. But yeah. we, I mean, you have three songs that are really the, the top songs everybody remembers. Uh, Under the Sea, Kiss the Girl, and Part of Your World. Right. So And really, you know, The Little Mermaid, everybody loves this movie. Everybody loves Ariel, but it's really Sebastian who gets the most musical oh, yeah. numbers. He gets the best numbers because he gets Under the Sea and Kiss the Girl, which are two of the most memorable ones out there. Right, Definitely, right. you know, like I said, part of your world is, but I think probably most people would know the other two. So he's really the star. It should be called L- Little Sebastian. Little Sebastian, <laughs> Sebastian. Parks and Rec. Oh, what a crossover. Bye-bye, Little I just, Sebastian. I didn't even think of that ahead of time. And then I said it and I went... Oh my gosh, that already exists. <laughs> Parks and Rec is a Little Mermaid crossover. There we go. We need a Little Sebastian movie with Little Sebastian and Sebastian. <laughs> and it just could be called, I just, my mind is just blown. I can't even handle it right now. Well, Little Sebastian's not around anymore, oh, though. Oh, no. Yeah, we can get another We've missed the, uh, the window of opportunity there. Oh, my there. gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, as you were saying, though, Sebastian is such an important character in the entirety. I was actually surprised because I forgot how important he is. He basically is the complete driver of the plot. Yeah, he's like he, the narrator. Of yeah, be, the he whole thing. well, not the narrator, but he's the what sets everything in motion because he's the one who tells un, unintentionally tells King Tri- Triton about Ariel's love of prince eric which is why he comes in and destroys all of her stuff and basically sends her to the sea witch like right. unintentionally ariel's very mad at sebastian and eventually she becomes his sidekick even when flounder i mean flounder is there but he can't come out of the water but a crab can so sebastian's with her throughout the entire movie so for a fish who can't come out of the water he's sure out of the water a lot He's always poking his head out of the water, flounder, and I mean, they, they pick can be him out, of the, out of the water for a minute or they two. Pick him up out of the water. Yeah, yeah. No, um, but so you would think, okay, Sebastian's a really important character. We got to get somebody who can carry Sebastian just super well, and so they got Shaggy. Shaggy's good. I mean, it's interesting. Shaggy's a good fit because he was he was born in Jamaica, so he kind of has. And Sebastian has a Jamaican accent. I'm not sure who who played him in the movie, but you know, so Shaggy's Jamaican. He kind of has the voice, but it, it was an interesting kind of take. I mean, he Shaggy really hasn't been popular for a long time. He's had a couple hit songs of "It Wasn't Me," "Mr. Bombastic," "Mr. Bombastic." You know, he has that very unique voice of singing. 
<laughs> yeah. And it was interesting. When I was looking this up about him, he was actually in the military. So his name is Samuel E. Wright is the voice of the of, original Sebastian. Of Sebastian okay. Yeah. yeah. So Shaggy actually, he, he was born in Jamaica, but he actually joined the military when he came to America and, and he perfected really? his singing voice while in the military. What? So, yeah. So I think that's, that's interesting uh, that he's, I never knew that, that he actually was in the military for a while. So yeah, so he, he has, like his singing voice is very similar to Sebastian. I know you thought he was a little bit stiff. A little bit. But, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I thought he was, he was pretty good. I, I could see why they chose him, and I thought he was a he, good choice. Because you needed somebody with that unique style of singing and, and you know the accent and everything I mean, to yes, kind of it was fulfill a, Sebastian. It was a good fit, but he just looked so memorized the whole time. He looked like he was going through the steps. Okay, I'm supposed to put my foot here. I'm supposed to put my foot there. Now, of course, he's not a Broadway-trained actor. And, I, I mean, I think that there were a lot of issues, and it wasn't just Shaggy. Um, like, his outfit... He looked like Michael Jackson out there. Like he looked like he's wearing he the thriller he like the thr- jacket. He did have the thriller outfit. And on. then they just tossed on some red pants. So he looked almost as much like Elmo as he looked like Sebastian because there was nothing else well, crabby about him. He had claws in rehearsal and they said it looked ridiculous. So they didn't have him wear claws because everybody was asking, why isn't he wearing claws? You have a whole audience of, of people wearing claws, but you have Sebastian doesn't have claws. And he, yeah, he had claws on originally and they thought it looked kind of silly so for the actual live show they didn't have the claws on so i think that would have helped a little bit but yeah, there, there's something yeah there's something about it that just completely didn't work yeah so i think it's easy to say you didn't really care for this too i th- i don't think a lot of the stuff worked for you it sounds well, like so far and, and but this number i think early but you on liked it, i think though. it got better i would say you seem to like this but overall. early on i think there were some disappointing numbers and like even this like the depth of scenery like i was saying for this particular song was not very good like it seemed like all the fish were on the same level they were all on stage they didn't really make too much use of maybe the aisles or in the crowd or coming out on that little out like pushed out stage um i think they needed to do that more they did they did seem like they they had jellyfish they had starfish that were floating to try to add some depth but it just needed more so but overall you like this though but i I think a lot of the stuff you thought some of the numbers had some misfires in them. Yeah, is I that, think this I mean, this which, particular yeah, number, I feel like they phoned it in. Which is interesting because, like I said, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this isn't what I, like I said, thought it was going to be. And I, I didn't really, I mean, it was good. It was solid, but it wasn't something that I thought was like over the top. Oh my gosh, I love this. But I think you liked it overall more than me. But as you go through these numbers, you really didn't care for a lot of them. So it's interesting yeah. that you did enjoy it I think there's a turn, much. but there's a turn. Okay. Yeah. Side note. So this has nothing to do with the number. Does swimming really make you as jacked as King Triton? <laughs> he <laughs> like, has the power of the sea. That's all. So yeah, it's either that or he's on the rocks, uh, like workout regimen. He's like out the in the, yeah, yeah. He's out in the iron palace or the iron, iron paradise. And he's just pumping iron 24 seven. Or I don't even know, but he, he doesn't miss abs. He is so jacked, <laughs> so jacked. But I mean, I guess if you have like a tail, you have to kind of like, you know, that um, you do the body like roll. you have to do the snake rolls yeah. all the time. So that would definitely give you some some fancy, like some nice abs. But well, he's got the um, he's got his staff, 
and uh, that has magical powers to it. So well, he probably just gives himself abs. Well, uh, I mean, I I guess, but it's way more fun to, to imagine him doing or like he blasts things with his like with his trident or his trident, and he tries to stay in the same spot, so he has to tighten his abs, and it helps him. Like I don't know, <laughs> I'm like trying to figure out his workout regimen because it would be pretty fun. Yeah, what what's the under under the sea workout regimen there? <laughs> I, I want to get on it. So the next big number was poor unfortunate souls. And immediately from the get-go, it, you could tell that they seemed to have really invested a lot in this one. They had a full, like the whole front of the stage, so not just the stage. And this it, was Queen Latifah's kind of first big number because she was playing Ursula. Right. Yeah, I don't think she even really sang in the rest. Like there was a live action part where she was in it, but I think another one, but she this is her big, right. this was her big moment. And Queen Latifah does have some prior history with, you know, larger Broadway musicals and things, you know, she started out as a rapper and, and comedian and stuff, but she kind of rose to prominence in terms of, you know, these like larger musicals and acting with Chicago. She was in the movie Chicago mm-hmm. and got a lot of recognition. I think she may have even been nominated for an Academy Award. So that was, you know, really when people kind of realized her that, Hey, she's more than just, she's multi-talented. Yeah. Talented. She can, she can really sing and kind of do these big numbers and, and be, you know, she wasn't on Chicago on Broadway, but she was in the, the, the movie version of it. So, and she really does kind of shine in this. I mean, she, she's very good. You know, her voice, um, you know, is really on display here and she does a great job. Yeah. She owned numbers it. As Ursula. Yeah, yeah. She was, she did really well. She looked really natural the whole time. Um, kind of in stark contrast to the way I look, thought Shaggy looked. I think she looked very natural. There was only one part with her that I thought she looked a little uncomfortable and it was when she took her tentacles off um, the original tentacles and she was walking around the dress with the tentacles. It almost seemed like at first she was like having a hard time walking around and eventually it was like after 30 seconds, she was like, okay, this is the way I have to walk. And then she continued on and like looked absolutely flawless. So she did a really good job, but the staging for this one was a lot more fun. They projected like almost like a lacy looking uh, purple and black all over the whole front of what we were seeing on TV, which made the stage look far larger than it was. So it seemed like it was a little bit more immersive for at least the the um, audiences at home. And I, I bet even for people who were there, it probably just made everything look bigger. And her, that number in itself is a big number. So I think it, it does a good job of kind of bring, drawing attention to the fact that that is a big and important number because it essentially is... I don't want to say the exposition because it's not it's not the exposition, but it basically explains the whole concept of what the deal Ariel is making is. So it's a really important number to tell you about what's going on actually in the movie. But yeah, it was really good. I liked the puppets for Flotsam and Jetsam. They they were really well done with the people in the blackout suits. So yeah, this was a great number. Yeah, I, I have no issues with that one. Um, what did you think of Eric? I already said kind of what I thought of him. I, I didn't really care for him too much. So. See, I disagree. I thought he seemed natural. I thought he seemed easy. He had a nice smile. He seemed, you know, like he was in his element. He seemed pretty natural. I was actually... And he does have experience. He actually got his start as a teenager on Broadway in the show 13, which was okay. the only Broadway musical that was made up a cast entirely of teenagers. Oh, wow. So it was about... 
you know, 13 year old. How's that not breaking child labor laws? It only ran for like a hundred. They only did like a hundred shows. So I think they they did a a very small run, but it was about kind of young kids and, and their struggles and growing up. So it was called 13. So it was about 13 year olds. So yeah, so he, he has some experience and now he's, like I said, he's on Riverdale and he's, you know, been in some other things. So he definitely, like you said, has, so to your point, he seemed comfortable. Um, yeah, I he, even he wrote have, on here he that he have must some have experience. some Broadway yeah, experience yeah. because he just looked, he looked like he was on a different level than even like your professional actors and actresses, um, like even at Queen Latifah. He looked to me natural the entire time. So he was, he was great. But now to my, probably my favorite number in the whole thing, uh, Les Poissons. I'm trying to do yeah, that correctly. This, this was, this was my favorite too with John Stamos as Chef Louie. This one... It had the most kind of scenery to it. It had the most depth to it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of other dancers around. So there was just a lot of kinetic energy, a lot going on. So where I yes. think, like I said, in, in the songs with Ariel, it was just her. She's sitting on a rock. So there's very little movement. She can't walk. They have to push her around. There, there wasn't as much going on. And, and you need that when you're doing these live performances. You need that kinetic energy. You, you need to like feel that in the room, especially when you're on TV, because in the room, you may feel it more, but it really has to come across. You have to be a little bit over the top to, to right. get it through on television. And you know with John Stamos, he really went over the top with it. I mean, he's chasing right. crabs around. There's people dancing. He's throwing stuff at the crowd. It's yeah, there's a mean, lot going on in the number in the movie. It is a very over the top number because it, unlike some of the other numbers where it's like, Oh, this person has to be a super great singer to carry the tune. Um, the chef isn't really like a, he's kind of like a comedic character that we're supposed to see as like a kind of a joke. He only appears in that one scene and I don't think we really see him again, um, or at least playing any significant role. So, uh, this scene though, I went back and I watched the movie version because I was curious to know, because I thought they did such a nice job with, you know, audience interaction, having the people wear cla- crab claws and having all the crabs and, and them doing the assembly line with all the cooks and throwing fish and flour and throwing spaghetti into the audience and all this stuff. And I was wondering what this looked like in the animated version. Cause I didn't remember. And it's literally just the chef and Sebastian in the kitchen. That's it. Okay. So they added a they whole really, ton to yeah. this. They really took what this scene and almost brought it to its full potential. And it, it made it a lot more interesting. And John Stamos was, again, yeah. fantastic. This was my favorite part. I think if they would have done something similar with a few of the other numbers of just added more dancers or, or more things going on behind the people. So even if like Ariel couldn't you know, wasn't moving around or, or something just to add something else to kind of catch your eye and, and just be a little bit more over the top I think it would have helped a few of the earlier numbers but this definitely was my favorite part of the, the whole night yeah it, it, it was great so everything was perfect and again they made it way better the the actual movie version almost seemed more like a um like a looney tune like it was kind of a wily e. coyote and uh roadrunner kind of sequence where okay. it was just basically the chef chasing Sebastian around, around the kitchen. Yeah. Um, in fact, did you even realize that that crab that goes across the table and the crab that like pops down from the ceiling later in that musical, that's, this is the only, my only issue with it. Did you realize that was supposed to be Sebastian? I think 
I there were so many crabs. I thought there was just a lot. I of thought crabs. yeah, I just thought it was yeah. a generic crab. But I like if I hadn't known and and like known that was Sebastian, I wouldn't have realized that that's who that was supposed to be. Especially since it wasn't Shaggy, I kind of just assumed it was just a generic crab. But still, really good favorite number by far. So I didn't even really take. There's another number that I didn't take notes on, um, which was the one where they flipped the stage around and it was the duet. Uh, I thought it was good. I liked the staging. It was, it was an interesting that was concept. Interesting how that was done because it's there, it's a duet, but they're not singing with each other. And that right. was, an and she can't even sing at the time. Yeah. That was an interesting way to kind of handle that where it, the, the stage keeps turning. Right. So that was cool. But my, my, the other number that was really great, I thought was kiss the girl. And again, that was Sebastian and he still looks uncomfortable, but the staging of the whole scene again was really spectacular where you had the um, child band in the beginning that were all dressed as fish, which I thought was a cute touch. And then you had the crowd who had little glowing butterflies. And then some people had reed hats, like hats of, of like cattails and things. So um, it added a really nice depth again to what we were viewing and uh, on the camera. And it just, it was, it added some interest to the scene and I wonder what it was like in the audience, though. I, I was curious if that in, like infringed on anybody's view, because if you're sitting behind somebody who's wearing a giant hat with that of. I yeah. Mean, and I think those people in the audience, when you're going to see a, a TV performance like that, I don't think you really expect to have the greatest view. I mean, there, there probably was a lot of obstructions right. with TV cameras and everything because right. the performance isn't there for you. It's there for the people on TV. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so but I mean, it, you have some of that, and there are probably people that are either employees of Disney or friends of employees. I mean, they get people that are kind of more understanding. I mean, Walt tried to do that whenever Disneyland opened that you know they were going to be doing a TV show, and it was just going to be people from the Disney company or people that were kind of in the industry, so they would realize, hey, there might be TV cameras, what to watch out for. Then you had all the counterfeit issues, and you had like 10,000 people there and everybody was tripping over all these TV cameras and, you know, they were running around to try to get the shots. So, you know, when they do these things, they they try to get people that are familiar with the business. And the other thing is like the, is you go to that knowing you might have obstructed view, but you're also part of the performance in in essence. Like they are part of setting the, the scene and the stage. So that's kind of fun to know that you have a role and you're not just there to watch. So yeah, I, I think that, you know, I might've been discounting that a little bit, but I mean, overall, with the integration of the movie and the musical, I thought it was an interesting way to do it, and I think it. it, yeah, it definitely I enjoyed was a unique, it. Yeah, it definitely was a unique take on it, and you know, there's been a, three or four of these, you know, live musical shows. They've done The Sound of Music. They've done Grease live. Uh, I think they did Rent last year, and most of them are, you know, you're, you're kind of doing a play essentially and there's there's scenes and, and you're you're running through this play live in a musical this was the first one they've done that was an animated movie mm-hmm. so i think that's also why they had to do you know kind of the mix of i think the, this is the, also abc's first foray into this i think that the other ones were fox did rent i think and somebody else might cbs maybe did the other two yeah nbc, I'm, I'm not positive. NBC did them and yeah, yeah so i think this was abc's first um, but yeah, but this was the first one that was kind of an animated version. So I think that's why you also had to have the mix of the movie and then the live actor singing because you do have people as crabs and fish that have, 
you know, a part of the movie or you have a, the dog and you have Ariel as a oh. mermaid. And so much of it takes place underwater that it is kind of hard to do fully live. And the other thing was, this was kind of inspired. I guess they've done something similar at the Hollywood Bowl before where they've shown the movie and then had live actors singing the songs. Mm-hmm. And so they've, and because I, I read an interview with the director a little bit beforehand of kind of what to expect. And he mentioned that, you know, part of this was inspired by the show they've done at the Hollywood Bowl before. I think Sarah Bareilles was actually performed in that one. So mm. there is, you know, some precedent for this. But yeah, this is definitely the first, you know, foray of these live musicals that's an animated version. So it, it was kind of interesting. I'm curious to see if Disney will tackle any of their other ones, like a Beauty and the Beast. Or... You know what I could see them doing? Hercules. Hercules, I think, might actually translate really well. The only issue with Hercules is I do think that it's very dated um, in the way that it speaks about like women and relationships. But yeah. and I think if they did any other ones, they could work. they could do it more like the other live musicals have, where you don't have to show the movie because you could do Beauty and the Beast. Everybody right. can walk around. You could do Hercules. You could have people dressed up and moving through scenery. You wouldn't have to do it where it's just people on a stage singing and then. Uh, showing the the original movie on a screen behind you so yeah yeah so overall i thought it was i thought it was worth watching i mean i wouldn't necessarily sit there and watch it over and over again but i i enjoyed it yeah yeah like i said i I thought overall it was good definitely you know they tried something different and i commend them for that i like we talked about i think some parts of it worked better than others Mm -hmm. um but that's not to say hey it wasn't a, a complete failure i think overall yeah it was it was good i mean it definitely was was a was a decent entry into this so yeah makes me want to watch the whole animated movie now again so you know because you only got to see pieces of it we like to kind of see like you said how they did some of these musical numbers you know in in the original and, movie and i so. think it helps you to appreciate sometimes a little bit how they what they changed what they kept the same exactly so, yeah. so but I, I think that kind of wraps up the show for this week so want to thank everybody for listening thank you for lending us your ears yeah and um, make sure you check us out on facebook or instagram or at enchanted ears podcast on both if you have a question for us that you'd like us to answer on the show you can send it to us uh, through social media or through our website enchantedearspodcast.com slash podcast question uh, if you'd like to support the show leaving us a rating or a review subscribing to us on itunes wherever you get your podcast uh, is a great way to do so we also have a patreon the link is in the episode description if you'd like to to support us that way as well so want everybody to have a, a great week we'll see you here next monday